Chapter 6 A Serious Exhortation to Repent Let me now persuade you to this great duty of repentance. Sorrow is good for nothing but sin. If you shed tears for outward losses, it is of no advantage to you. Water for the garden, if poured in the sink, does no good. Medicine for the eye, if applied to the arm, is of no benefit. Sorrow is an effective medicine for the soul, but if you apply it to worldly things, it does no good. Oh, that our tears might run for the right reasons, and our hearts burst with sorrow for sin. So that I may more successfully press this exhortation, I will show you that repentance is necessary, and that it is necessary for all people and for all sins. 1. Repentance is necessary. Repentance is necessary. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Luke 13, verse 5. There is no way to row to paradise except on the stream of repenting tears. Repentance is required as a qualification. It is not so much to make us dear to Christ as to make Christ dear to us. Until sin is bitter, Christ will not be sweet. 2. Repentance is necessary for all people. God commands repentance for all men. God is now proclaiming to mankind that all people everywhere are to repent. Acts 17, verse 30. Repentance is necessary for powerful people. Say to the king and the queen mother, Take a lowly seat. Jeremiah 13, verse 18. The king of Nineveh and his nobles exchanged their robes for sackcloth. Jonah 3, verse 6. Great men's sins do more harm than the sins of others. The sins of leaders are leading sins. Therefore they above all others need to repent. If those who hold the power do not repent, God has appointed a day to judge them and a fire to burn them. Isaiah 30, verse 33. Repentance is necessary for the infamous sinners in the nation. England needs to put itself into mourning and be humbled by solemn repentance. What horrible corruptions are present in this nation? Every day we see people enlisting themselves under Satan, not only the boundaries of religion, but also those of civility are broken down. Men seem to compete, as the Jews of old, for the title of most wicked. In your filthiness is outrageous sin, Ezekiel 24, verse 13. If cursing and drunkenness, if perjury and luxury make a people guilty, then we should fear that England is in God's black book. Men have canceled their vows of baptism and made a private contract with the devil. Instead of crying to mercy to save them, they cry, God damn them. Never was there such galloping to hell as if men are worried they might not get there in time. Do we not know that some have died with the guilt of adultery and blood upon them? Do we not know that others have boasted of how many they have corrupted and made drunk? They display their sin like Sodom. Isaiah 3, verse 9. Indeed, men's sins have grown daring, as if they would hang out their flag of defiance and plan an attack on heaven.
like the Thracians, who, when it thunders, gather together in a crowd and shoot their arrows up to fight the sky. The sinners in Britain even send God a challenge. He has reached out with his hand against God and is arrogant toward the Almighty. He rushes headlong at him with his massive shield. Job 15, verses 25 through 26. The massive shield is made for offense in war. God's precepts and threats are, as it were, the weapons of war by which he would deter men from wickedness. They are not deterred, however, but are desperate in sin and run furiously against God's weapons. Oh, how sin is boiling over! Men consider it a shame not to be rude. I hope history will not speak of us as Josephus speaks of the Jews. Those times were so excessive that if the Romans had not come and sacked their city, Jerusalem would have been swallowed up by some earthquake, or drowned with a flood, or set on fire from heaven. So, with such spiritual illness in the body of our nation, isn't it high time for her to begin a course of treatment and take this pill of repentance? England is an island surrounded by two oceans, an ocean of water and an ocean of wickedness. Oh, that it might be surrounded with a third ocean, one of repenting tears. If the book of the law happens to fall on the ground, it is the Jewish custom to proclaim a fast. But England has let both law and gospel fall to the ground. Therefore England needs to fast and mourn before the Lord. The bushel of wickedness seems to be full. There is so much sin, there should be just as many tears of grief. Why then do all faces not grow pale? Why are the wells of repentance not flowing? Do the sinners of the land not know that they should repent? Have they not been warned? Have God's faithful messengers not lifted up their voices like trumpets and cried to them to repent? But many of these tools in the ministry have been worn dull on rocky hearts. Has not God sent strange comets across the heavens like so many preachers to call men to repentance? But still they are stagnant in spirit. Zephaniah 1 verse 12 Do we think that God will always put up with our insults? Will he tolerate having his name and glory trampled on? The Lord has usually been swifter in the process of his justice against the sins of a people who profess his name. God may choose to give this land a reprieve for a while, but if he were to save it without repentance, he would be going against his nature. I say, therefore, with Mr. Bradford, Repent, O England! You have beleppered yourself with sin, and you must go and wash in the spiritual Jordan. You have kindled God's anger against you. Throw away your weapons, and bring your broken spirits and your tears, so that God may be appeased in the blood of Christ. Let your tears run. Let God's scroll of curses fly. Zechariah 5, verse 2. Either men must turn, or God will overturn them. Either the dry ground of their hearts must be broken up, or the land will be broken down. If no words will prevail with sinners, 
it is because God desires to put them to death. 1 Samuel 2, verse 25. Among the Romans, someone who for his capital offense was forbidden the use of water was considered a condemned person. In the same way, those who by their formidable sins have angered the God of heaven so much that he denies them the water of repentance should consider themselves to be condemned persons. Repentance is necessary for the cheating crew. Their deceitfulness is useless. Psalm 119, verse 118. They are skillful at doing evil. Jeremiah 4, verse 22. Making use of their cleverness only for getting around the law. Instead of living by their faith, they live by their wits. These are the ones who make themselves look poor so that they may grow rich. Do not misunderstand me. I do not mean those whom God's providence has humbled, whose finances have failed but not their honesty. I mean those who pretend they are struggling, so that they may cheat their creditors. There are some who get richer by pretending bankruptcy than others can by trading honestly. These people are like beggars who discolor and blister their arms so that they may garner pity and charity. As they live by their sores, so these people live by their cheating. When the frost breaks, the streets are more full of water. Likewise, many tradesmen, when they declare bankruptcy, end up with more money. They pretend as if they had nothing, but out of this nothing great wealth is created. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is taken by force, not by fraud. Men should know that after soaking up this golden stream of money, the devil enters. They squeeze a curse into their accounts. They must repent quickly, though bread obtained by a lie may be sweet. Proverbs 20, verse 17. Many vomit up those sweet morsels in hell. Repentance is necessary for good citizens. These people have no visible spots on their reputations, they are free from blatant sin, and one might think they have no need for the business of repentance. They feel they are so good that they would shrug at a psalm of mercy. Indeed, these people are often in the worst condition, the ones who think they do not need repentance. Luke 15, verse 7. Their good behavior is their undoing. They make a savior of it, and then they suffer shipwreck on that iceberg. Morality cannot take a person all the way to heaven. It is only human nature refined. A moral man is only old Adam dressed in fine clothes. The king's image, counterfeited and stamped upon brass coins, will not pass as currency. A civil person seems to bear the image of God, but he is only brass which will never pass for true currency. Moral conduct is not sufficient for salvation. Though the life is moralized, the lust may be alive and well. The heart may be full of pride and atheism. Under the lovely leaves of a tree there may be a worm. I am not encouraging you to repent that you are civil, but that you are no more than civil. Satan entered into the house that had just been swept and put in order. Luke 11, verse 26. This is the emblem of a moral man who is swept by civility 
and kept orderly with talents and skills, but is not washed by true repentance. The unclean spirit enters into someone like this. If civility were enough for salvation, Christ need not have died. The good citizen has a fine lamp, but it is empty of the oil of grace. Repentance is necessary for hypocrites. I mean those who consciously allow themselves to sin. Hypocrisy is the counterfeiting of holiness. The hypocrite or spiritual actor has gone a step further than the moralist and has dressed himself in the garb of religion. He imitates a form of godliness but denies its power. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 The hypocrite is simply wearing the costume of a saint. He makes a magnificent show like an ape clothed in purple or a fine fur coat. The hypocrite is like a house with a beautiful facade, but every room inside is dark. He is a rotten post, plated with gold. Under his mask of spirituality, he hides his plague sores. The hypocrite is against the wearing of makeup, but he makes up his own face to look holy. He looks good on the outside, so that he may stay bad on the inside. Therefore, the same word in the original signifies to use hypocrisy and to be profane. The hypocrite seems to have his eyes nailed to heaven, but his heart is full of impure lusts. He lives in secret sin against his conscience. He can behave in accordance with those around him and act as both the dove and the vulture. He hears the word, but he only hears it and nothing else. He's all for temple devotion, where others can look at him and admire him. But he neglects family and private prayer. Indeed, if prayer does not make a man leave sin, sin will make him leave prayer. The hypocrite feigns humility, but he does it so that he may rise in the world. He pretends to have faith, but he makes use of it as more of a cloak than a shield. He carries his Bible under his arm, but not in his heart. His whole religion is a well-maintained lie. Hosea 11, verse 12 But is there such a generation of men to be found? The Lord forgive them their holiness. Hypocrites are in the gall of bitterness. Acts 8, verse 23 Oh, how they need to humble themselves in the dust! They are far gone with the rot, and if anything can cure them, it must be feeding upon the salt marshes of repentance. Let me speak my mind freely. None will find it more difficult to repent than hypocrites. They have played with religion so much that their treacherous hearts do not even know how to repent. Hypocrisy is harder to cure than other maladies. The abscess and the hypocrite's heart seldom breaks. If it is not too late, turn to God for mercy. Those who are guilty of hypocrisy, let them tremble with fear. Their condition is sinful and sad. It is sinful because they do not embrace religion out of choice, but only to better their image. They do not love it. They only use it. It is sad for two reasons. First, 
because this art of deceit cannot hold on for long. He who opens up shop but has no stock of grace in his heart will inevitably go bankrupt in the end. Second, because God's anger will fall more heavily on hypocrites. They dishonor God more and tarnish the gospel's good name. Therefore, the Lord reserves the deadliest arrows in his quiver to shoot at them. If heathens will be damned, hypocrites will be doubly damned. Hell is called the place of hypocrites, Matthew 24, verse 51, as if it has been mainly prepared for them, and is their full and rightful inheritance. Repentance is necessary for God's own people who have experienced a real work of grace and are Israelites indeed. They must offer up a daily sacrifice of tears. The antinomians say that when people come to be believers, they have a full reprieve, and there is nothing left for them now to do but to rejoice. But yes, they do have something else to do, and that is to repent. Repentance is a continuous act. The flow of godly sorrow must not be fully stopped until death. Jerome, writing in a letter to Leda, tells her that her life must be a life of repentance. Repentance is called crucifying the flesh, Galatians 5, verse 24, which is not done all at once, but slowly. We will be doing it all our lives. And are there not many reasons why God's own people should go into the weeping bath? Are you not, however, guilty yourselves of offenses against the Lord your God? Second Chronicles 28, verse 10. Do you not experience attacks of sin every day? Yes, you are diamonds, but do you not have flaws? Do we not read of the defect of God's children? Deuteronomy 32, verse 5. Shine the candle of the word into your hearts and see if you cannot find any reason for repentance there. A. Repent of your rash judgments. Instead of praying for others, you are ready to pass a verdict on them. It is true that the saints will judge the world, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2, but you must wait for your time. Remember the apostles' caution in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, Do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes. B. Repent of your vain thoughts. They swarm in your minds like the flies did in Pharaoh's court. Exodus 8, verse 24. How our imaginations can confuse us. Even if Satan does not possess your bodies, he does possess your imaginations. How long will your wicked thoughts lodge within you? Jeremiah 4, verse 14. A man is capable of thinking himself into hell. Saints, be humbled for this foolishness in your head. C. Repent of your vain fashions. It is strange that the clothing God has given to cover shame should inspire pride. The godly are instructed not to conform to this world. Romans 12, verse 2. People of the world are garish and bright in their ways of dressing. 
It is in fashion nowadays to go to hell. But whatever others are doing, Judah must not become guilty. Hosea 4 verse 15 The Apostle Paul has given instructions about the outer clothing Christians must wear. Proper clothing, modestly and discreetly. 1 Timothy 2 verse 9 And what to wear underneath. Clothe yourselves with humility. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 D. Repent of the way you have decayed in grace. You have left your first love. Revelation 2, verse 4. Christians, how often is it low water in your souls? How often does your heart grow cold? Where are those flames of affection, those sweet meltings of spirit that you once had? I fear they have melted away. Repent for leaving your first love. E. Repent that you do not maximize your gifts. Health is a gift. Wealth is a gift. Intelligence is a gift. And God has entrusted you with these to make the most of them for His glory. He has sent you into the world the way a merchant sends his representatives beyond the seas to trade for his master's advantage. But you have not done all the good you are capable of. Can you say, Your mina, master, has made five minas? Luke 19, verse 18. You should mourn for the way you have buried your gifts. Let it grieve you that so much of your life has not been time lived, but time lost, that you have filled up your precious hours more with chaff than with wheat. F. Repent of forgetting your sacred vows. A vow binds one's soul to God. Numbers 30, verse 2. Christians, since you have been bound to God, have you not broken this contract? Have you not served for common uses after you were promised to the Lord by solemn dedication? By this breach of vows, you have made a breach in your peace. Surely this calls for a fresh outpouring of tears. G. Repent of your ingratitude for blessings received. You have lived all your life receiving God's free gifts. You have spent your stock of free grace. You have been lavished with mercy. But where is your return of love to God? The Athenians sometimes had ungrateful people sued. Christians, could not God take you to court for your unthankfulness? I will also take away my wool and my flax. Hosea 2, verse 9. I will take them away by law. H. Repent of your worldliness. The way you talk about God, you seem to resemble the birds of paradise that soar high above and live on the dew of heaven. Yet, like serpents, you lick the dust. Baruch, a good man, was challenged with this. Are you seeking great things for yourself? Jeremiah 45, verse 5. I. Repent of your divisions. They are a stain on your coat of arms. 
and they make others stand aloof from religion. Indeed, separating from the wicked makes you like Christ, who was separated from sinners. Hebrews 7 verse 26. But for the godly to divide among themselves and look sideways at another, even if we had as many eyes as there are stars, it would not be enough to weep for this. Divisions eclipse the church's beauty and weaken her strength. God's Spirit brought in divided tongues among the saints, Acts 2 verse 3, but the devil has brought in divided hearts. Surely this deserves a shower of tears. J. Repent for the iniquity of your holy things. How often have our worship services been frozen with formality and soured by pride? There have been more of the peacock's vain plumes than the humble groans of the dove. It is sad that the duties of religion should ever be made a stage for vanity. O oh, Christians, there is such a thick layer of mold on your worship that I fear there is very little meat left in it for God to feed on. This is the work of repentance, and it should increase your grief to think that the sins of God's people provoke God more than the sins of others. Deuteronomy 32 verse 19 The sins of the wicked pierce Christ's side. The sins of the godly go straight to his heart. The fact that Peter's sin was against the one who loved him so much made it even more cruel, and this made his cheeks wet with tears. After thinking of this, he hurried on and began to weep. Mark 14, verse 72. 3. Repentance is necessary for all sins. Let us be deeply humbled and mourn before the Lord for original sin. We have lost the pure and perfect state of soul that we once had. Our nature is broken by corruption. Original sin has diffused itself like a poison into our entire being, like a weed which, wherever it takes root, soon overruns the ground. There are no worse natures in hell than the nature we have. The hearts of even the very best are like Peter's sheet, on which there were a number of unclean crawling creatures. Acts 10 verse 12 We should weep bitterly over this primitive corruption because we are never free from it. It is like an underground spring which keeps running even though it is not seen. We may as well stop the beating of our own pulse as stop the motions of sin. This inbred depravity handicaps and hinders us in spiritual things. The good that I want, I do not do. Romans 7 verse 19 Original sin may be compared to that fish Pliny speaks of a sea lamprey which clamps onto the keel of the ship and slows it down when it is sailing. Sin hangs weights on us so that we move toward heaven, but only slowly. Oh, the way sin sticks to us! Paul shook the viper that was on his hand into the fire, Acts 28 verse 5. But in this life we cannot shake off the corruption that we were born with. Sin does not come as a guest for a night but as a housemate. Sin that dwells in me, Romans 7, verse 17. 
We are like someone who has an infection. He can change his surroundings, but he carries his disease with him in his body. Original sin is inexhaustible. This ocean cannot be emptied. We can spend all the sin we have, yet we will never run out. The more we sin, the fuller we are of sin. Original corruption is like the widow's oil, which only increased when it was poured out. Another wedge to break our hearts is that original sin mixes with the very habits of grace. This is why our actions toward heaven can be so dull and languid. Why does your faith act no stronger? Because it is clogged with foolishness. Why does your love for God burn no purer? Because it is hindered with lust. Original sin blends with our graces. As bad lungs cause asthma or shortness of breath, so our graces breathe very faintly now, because original sin has infected our hearts. Original sin should draw forth our tears. In particular, let us lament the corruption of our will and our affections. We should mourn for the corruption of our will. When not following the precepts of right reason, the will is biased toward evil. The will dislikes God, not because of His goodness, but because of His holiness. It rebelliously insults Him. As the people of Judah rejected the prophet's advice in favor of their own, we will certainly carry out every word that has proceeded from our mouths by burning sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven. Jeremiah 44, verse 17. Our will has been critically wounded. Let us grieve for the turning of our affections. They are no longer directed at the proper object. The affections like arrows shoot off target. At the beginning our affections were wings to fly to God. Now they are weights that pull us away from Him. Let us grieve for the direction of our affections. Our love is set on sin, our joy on created things instead of the Creator. Our affections like flies feed on dung. How right it is that we grieve the disorder of our affections. We ourselves are falling into hell, and our affections are doing their best to push us off the ledge. Let us consider our specific sins. Of these, I may say, who can discern his errors? Psalm 19, verse 12. They are like atoms in the sun, like sparks in a furnace. We have sinned with our eyes. They have been windows to let in vanity. We have sinned with our tongues. They have been set on fire with anger. Do any of us do a single thing in which we do not act on one sin or another? To try to count these up would be like counting the drops in the ocean. Let us solemnly repent of our individual sins before the Lord. 